Hey, this was the longest recording we ever did, more than three hours, and there's an extended cut of this episode over on spinitpod.com. If you're interested, you can check it out for all kinds of extra goodies. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy the episode. I've listened to A Window of the Waking Mind by Coheed and Cambria since it came out earlier this year. And I listened to it once yesterday. Welcome to Spin It. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Spin It, the record-ranking podcast for people who would rather be listening to music. I'm James. With me is Connor. And also with me is you. Hi. How are you? Great. I'm glad to hear it. Are you expecting them to answer? (laughs) I'm very confused. I don't know. I just wanted to make it a little more interactive in the beginning. Hi. How how are you doing tonight? Yes, let's, let's interact with people who won't be hearing this for like a week. Well, that was a question for you right now. How are you? Oh, oh, uh, I... Listen, we all go up in flames. Well, then at least you're (laughs) going out in style. Yeah. Yeah. This week, we're talking about a band that I first discovered about six months ago, sometime in, like, December. Only six months ago? Yeah, recently. Fairly recent in the grand scheme of my... So, when we went to the, uh, when we went to that concert, you maybe hadn't heard of them yet? When we went to see uh-huh. Trans-Siberian Orchestra in, this, in December? Actually, the very first time I listened to one of their albums was on the December Albums of the Month playlist. So, we went to the concert on, like, the first day of December. It was basically the first time I listened to this. Wow. Well, not this album specifically. It's newer. But to Coheed and Cambria in general, that just happened... Fairly recently, yeah. I see, I see. I had a lot of friends, I knew a lot of people that were into the band, and so I got into the band, jumped on the quite literal bandwagon, and boy, I'm in it now. And let me just say, first of all, uh, welcome to all the Coheed fans who are listening, because I'm sure there are a few of you. Have mercy on us. This is your fault. <laughs> I know I know. Coheed fans are very passionate, and as someone who's kind of new to the fandom, I just I don't want to get anything wrong. I did a probably more research for this episode just on background knowledge than for any other. And there's reasons for that that we'll get into. And as somebody who literally heard them for the first time last night, definitely be nice to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Remember remember who you're dealing with when you comment. But big fan. At least I am. I can't speak for Connor yet. We'll find out. Yeah, we will. Now, you in the past have called yourself, and I quote, the king of concept albums. I have. You you challenged Green Day for that title. <laughs> I did. <laughs> yeah. I I only vague memories of that one. <laughs> I, I would like to issue you another challenge and say Coheed and Cambria are arguably the real kings of concept albums here. They're kind of a concept band in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. I I learned that. You did. I'm sure you did. But with concept comes backstory. So here's a little backstory about Coheed. Coheed and Cambria formed in 1995 in a suburb of New York City. Today's members of the band include Claudio Sanchez, who sings, writes most of the lyrics, does the keyboards and the guitar. Uh, Travis Stever plays the guitar and does vocals. Both of them were founders of the band in 95. Then Josh Eppard plays the drums, the vocals, and the keyboards. He's been with Coheed since 2000. And Zach Cooper is the bassist since 2012. Other past members include former bassists John Carleo and Michael Todd, and then former drummers Nate Kelly and Chris Penny. But anyway, that's the band. They started out under the band name Beautiful Loser, which may sound familiar to you if you've listened to this album. But in a few months, Claudio Sanchez 
and Calreo and Kelly, they did a little restructuring into a trio, and then they changed the name to Shibuti, which is a name taken from the movie called The Naked Prey. Yeah. Yeah, it's the translation of Shibuti. They picked up Michael Todd along the way, and then they started putting out music, including a couple different EPs, and that's when Travis Stever rejoins the band for good as Shibuti. In 1998, Claudio Sanchez heads to Paris, and he gets this idea in his head for this mega sci-fi odyssey of epic proportions that he initially calls the Bag Online Adventures, which is a little bit clunky as a title. Yeah, it kind of sucks, to be honest. You know, it's a working title, because he, he worked it down, he, he cleaned it up into the Amory Wars. That's what it's known as now. Sanchez says when he invented this big sci-fi epic, he drew heavily from a lot of different inspirations, not least of all Star Wars, and uh, the protagonists for that first part of the saga are Coheed, right, and his wife, Cambria, and their son, Claudio. So that's where the band takes their name, Coheed and Cambria, kind of two of the protagonists from this big space odyssey epic. So the band has this namesake, they have this direction now, they do a little pivot, and they start putting out concept albums one by one that all tell different pieces of the Amory Wars story. So, I mean, when I say they're a concept band, like, that's it. They each album, de- like, digs deeper into the world. Yeah. It, admittedly, it's a little tough to follow, especially if you're only working off the albums, like I've mostly done. The band has, with the help of Evil Ink Comics, put a lot of the story into comic book form. And there's even a full novel about it, at least one. But there are still some missing pieces that haven't been released just yet. So there's a huge wiki and podcasts, full podcasts about Coheed lore. And I've tried to look into a lot of it. And for fear of saying something incorrect, I'm mostly keeping it to a minimum. But there's so much out there. All these fans are working to untangle all the lore and fill in the gaps with the limited knowledge that we do get through all these supplementary releases and other things. But I think it's a really intriguing concept for a band, and it's a captivating story from the the pieces that I know of it. And I think that's one thing that makes Coheed a really interesting band in general, but especially to talk about on this podcast, because we don't really have any other artists that operate like that, at least not yet. Yeah, I'll give you that they're probably the most concept band of of concept bands that we've talked about so far, you know, when he said all their albums kind of all work together. We've talked about somebody in the past who had like albums that related to one another, like they built off of one another, but they also had standalone work. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is definitely the first band that like their entire reason for being is a concept. Yeah. Well, you know, I think I take it one step farther. You... You take it one step farther. Yeah. I live a concept life. All right. How long <laughs> did you plan to say that? You live a concept life? Since you challenged me. I've been sitting here the entire time. You've been talking since you challenged me waiting to say that. <laughs> How do you live a concept life? Because I'm the concept king. <laughs> that's that's circular logic. You can't be the concept king because you live a concept life because you're the concept king. Yeah. I live a concept <laughs> Listen, I live a concept life. Also, concept life is a great working title for a Connor's Heaven and Hoppin' album. Yeah, it is. A concept <laughs> life. I'm just a the little concept, concept king. I live in a concept house on Concept Street. <laughs> Welcome to my concept life. It's pretty meta. I don't know. That's That's bizarre. I don't like to think about it. So, yeah, this album just came out on June 24th. But they started writing it as far back as 2019. And when the COVID-19 pandemic happened, they actually had to make some changes to the style and the concept of it because some of the themes they were working with, uh, they came across as insensitive 
after the pandemic mm. happened, even though they were well-intentioned and honestly no one would have blinked an eye at them before. So they had to do a little retooling. But they've mentioned that they might release some of that content in the future. So keep an eye out for things like that. I mean, one of the songs was called Hallelujah Quarantine, and it had nothing to do with, like, sickness or quarantining. Uh, but obviously, you can't put out a song called Hallelujah Quarantine in <laughs> 2021. It's a little too soon. So Coheed's style, stylistically, they're pretty prog rock, but they're also not, like, a heavy, heavy metal. So maybe, like, light metal, right? And they incorporate all these other poppier elements into some of their music, especially on Vaxxus 2. I think there's a lot of like synth pop, a lot of 80s influence, which is really interesting. I just think it's been a pretty satisfying blend over the course of their catalog so far, because it feels to me like there's a little bit of something for everyone. I mean, mind you, I haven't listened to every Coheed album yet, but I've done one a month for the last seven months, so we're getting close. Mm -hmm. For reference, some of their major influences include Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, who I know is one of your personal favorites, Queen, and others. They've what also was that supposed to be? Well, that was mostly sarcasm, because I saw the score you gave Pink Floyd. Yeah, they got a seven. That's pretty solid. You're right. No, it is. <laughs> it wasn't solid <laughs> at the time. But in the context of all the other scores you've given since episode seven, okay, I think it's okay. Yeah, I was very lenient. Well, don't go saying things like that. I, I still think you were a bit hard on it, but... Not as hard as I could have been. Fair enough. Vaxxus 2 was released to pretty significant critical acclaim. A lot of fans and critics alike consider it one of Coheed's best records, which is another reason that I picked it. So far, only having been out for, you know, a month, that record has peaked on top of the U.S. hard rock albums chart. It was number two on the Alternative Albums chart and number three on the Top Rock Albums chart. It hit number 23 in Australia, 27 in Germany, 7 in Hungary, 16 in Scotland, and 73 in the UK. So it's pretty much, it's internationally charting, which is a big deal for a band like Coheed. It's kind of, they're breaking through, you know? Yeah. What's also interesting about this is because it was recorded during COVID in the pandemic era, they recorded the album separately where they tracked parts in their own homes and then they passed them around to each other. As far as Coheed's accolades go, like I said, they're on the up and up. They've picked up a couple of MTVU Woody Awards for Best Live Performance and Best Album for In Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth 3 in 2004. They got a Metal Hammer Golden Gods Award which is a mouthful of an award. But they won that for Good Apollo on Burning Star 4 Volume 1 from Fear Through the Eyes of Madness. That's the whole album's title. It's a it's long mouthful of a title. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the song Feathers picked up a Best Music Video Kerrang! Award, and they won the championship title from MTV's March Madness in 2010. I guess MTV did a, a, a bracket competition, much like we're about to do. And this part I'm excited about. I just saw Coheed in concert. I am so excited. I want to tell you all about it and how the experience went. Yes. So if you're interested in that, check out the B-side. If you're not interested in that, stay here. That's it for that part of the podcast. Let's talk to the mixtaper and see what he's whipped up for us this week. I don't know how I don't know how much of that was only for the B-side, but there was a lot of it. <laughs> that was just a smidgen of recompense for the uh, for the Michael Jackson Zoo. <laughs> That wasn't my fault. That was the mixtapers. Why are you punishing me? The mixtaper just got to sit around and eat his pumpernickel bread over my shoulder. Well, let's get him over here. Mixtaper, you got some crumbs on you. Get and brush them off real fast. All right, I don't want them all over my keyboard. There we go. All right, hey, it's me, the mixtaper. Hey, welcome back to this special B-side episode of Spin It, the record ranking podcast about Coheed and Cambria. Did you find a lot of facts? Uh, we'll find out. I guess we will. 
I have a lot of facts. It's up to you to determine how many of them I found and how many of them I made up. I'm a little scared. <laughs> like I said, this band is has got some complicated nuances. Sure. <laughs> so you you could be extra dastardly here. Well, we'll see. Maybe I left it more tame just to circumvent your expectations. We'll see. That could happen. Maybe. Let's start with our first one. Claudio has an alter ego. He's not our first artist to have an alter ego. Uh, no. Is Claudio's alter ego like a writer pseudonym or something so he can do other work without necessarily the same notoriety? Yeah, it's to be able to do other work. Oh, okay. Well, well let's start with what is his alter ego? Uh, Shang God. Okay. And, and what other work does he participate in? Hip-hop. Hip-hop, you say. So what yes. kind of hip-hop stuff does he do? Does he rap? Does he... I mean, do his own music? He performs hip-hop songs. Original hip-hop songs or just covers? Unclear. How long has he been doing this? Uh, It appears to have been in the early 2000s. Okay, for like a limited time. Yeah, this was just for his friends. It wasn't like professionally. Oh, okay, like a a small-scale thing for his friends. Yeah, he'd like perform like parties for his friends and stuff like that and go by the name Shane God when he was doing his hip-hop stuff. Was he any good? Uh, Unclear. Unclear. You're giving a lot of obscure answers. I think I'm going to say this one is... A, a spin. I think Shang God's a spin. I'm just leaning that way. I don't know. Maybe it's about someone else, but maybe it just didn't happen. This is about someone, and that someone is Claudio. This is a fact. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, Shang God is real. How about that? He told the Rolling Stone in an interview that it was a thing he did. I wouldn't have guessed, honestly. Hey, Coheed fans listening to this podcast, did you learn that for now? Like, did, did you just figure that out, or have you known? Okay, well... I'm off to a bad start. Yes, you are. Let's hope that bad start continues with our next one. Let's not hope that. One of their comics made it into the Library of Congress. Oh, wow. Okay. So the Library of Congress does the National Recording Registry where they admit like a limited number of songs every year that are like culturally significant. They do the same thing with written works and and books and stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know the, the... qualifications for that or the threshold like how many they let in but tell me more well the library of congress houses the largest publicly available collection of comic books in the united states they're housed in the newspaper and current periodical reading room at the library and uh it includes u.s and foreign comic books over twelve thousand titles in all totaling more than one hundred forty thousand issues that's a lot twelve thousand titles feels like a lot yeah, and 140,000 issues. For something like that, that's clearly not the same thing as music where there's a limited, or at least a very restricted number getting in every year. Is this a thing that they have to get chosen for or can they submit it themselves and be like, have this, put this in the library? I'm going to say unclear again. I'm not sure how you get a comic book into the comic book collection. If we can, we should. We should get spin it in the Library of Congress. <laughs> we definitely should. That'd be great. Okay, yeah, here we go. Titles are added to the collection on the basis of quality of text and graphic depiction, significance of the artist, writer, or publisher, originality of story or main character, the title's popularity as reflected in circulation statistics or media attention, representation of new ideas or social trends, or availability through copyright. So it sounds to me like, yeah, this band that has made all of their comic books, first of all, very original series, but also turned it into this concept album trope, like this overarching thing. Mm-hmm. That would seem significant enough to me. The fans love it, right? Yeah. The fans are going to order the crap out of stuff. 
And so sure. I think that's believable. Um, which comic book is it? I mean, there are a lot of different volumes and issues of things out for, for the Amory Wars and so on. It's the first issue of volume one of the second stage Turbine Blade comic, which is another cr- crazy title. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that's tough. Why that one? Why that one in particular? Unclear. Mm. I know you know a lot about comic books, and I'm so tempted to say this is a spin because I feel like you maybe just wanted to tell us all those cool facts about the Library of Congress because you, mm. you found out that this band did comic books and you said, oh, that'll be believable. Mm. Um, I think that's what happened, and I think this is a spin. Oh, trying to get into the mind of the mixtape are always dangerous when you try to do that. It's dangerous, <laughs> but I hope it has some payoff because I, I, you know, I don't know. We'll just see. Well, this time, it worked. You got it in oh. my mind. You got it. You, you figured it out. This was a spin. Oh, I just wanted goodness. to talk about the Library of Congress. Oh, uh, a bit of relief comes on <laughs> the end of that fact. Uh, let's see if I can pick you out with the next one. Travis Stever puts ice in his cereal. Oh, no. <laughs> I've, I've heard of people doing weird things like freezing milk to make like milk ice cubes to put in, you know, so you don't water down your thing. I, I assume you're talking about watered ice cubes. Yeah, yeah. Regular water H2O ice cube. Into milky cereal? Yeah, yep. Milk, cereal, and a couple of ice cubes. First of all, what kind of cereal does he eat? Uh, unclear. <laughs> Probably he does it with all cereals. Right? Oh, yeah, I doubt just, it's a cereal-specific thing. I just didn't know if he had a favorite. You know, mm. if he was a cookie crisp kind of guy, or a, I don't know. Anyway. You put ice cubes in your cookie crisp. <laughs> it keeps the wolf away, you know? He doesn't like it. So here's my thing. Um, You're, you're refrigerating your milk. Like, your milk is already cold. Yep. So why the ice cubes? Uh, unclear. It's <laughs> an unclear episode. Real murky factor spin round. I guess. <laughs> All I know is in this interview, I mentioned uh, two facts ago that the band sat down and did a Rolling Stones audio. And one of the topics that came up when talking to Travis was about his cereal habits and how he just likes... He's always done it since he was a kid and he can't imagine doing it any other way. What the, How do you have this fact and nothing about it? It. it was just it's in an interview you know how like rolling yeah. stones will like prompt you with questions like i yeah i hear you have a weird thing with cereal or whatever you know it's like <laughs> yeah the, the jeopardy host thing yeah like talk for 10 seconds about this yeah exactly and so he just talks about how he eats his uh cereal with ice wow and then uh claudio chimes in and says this is what we have to live with and, you know that's like his <laughs> contribution to it. he goes this is what we live with yeah okay so i honestly believe this i think this is true i think this is true yeah why unclear oh <laughs> I, just, I just have a hunch fair enough well your hunch did not pay off. This is a spin. Oh. You fell for cereal ice. <laughs> is, is, this, is there is there any truth at all to this? Is yeah, this well, just... there. So there is. This is a true fact about somebody we've done. <laughs> Care to guess? Oh no! Classic half a point uh, opportunity here. Ugh, I don't know who would who would ice their cereal. <laughs> Gene Simmons has a long tongue. Um, the Red Hot Chili Peppers <laughs> might need to cool down. This is tough. <laughs> I think I'm gonna say Lil Wayne. I think Lil Wayne puts ice in his cereal. Lil Wayne, sure. This is true about. You know, listen, this band is the gift that keeps on gifting. The the no the. Way. 
The facts that keep on facting. Gene Simmons from Kiss does it this. It is. It is. I mentioned his tongue. I knew it. I, I knew it. Gee, I've had so many posthumous Kiss facts. Unbelievable. <laughs> wow. I, I think that's really weird. He posted about it on social media, and that thing about what this is what we live with was like his son or something posted that on Twitter <laughs> uh, in response. That's funny. Dang. Sorry, Travis. Yeah. I didn't mean to believe that about you. <laughs> All right, one more for the normal side listeners. Classic four for the normal cut. Yes, classic four. And I'm up one on you. Best you can do is 50-50 again. Yeah, but consider. Or will this we have, be... We will do 50-50, so I'm pretty confident. I'm feeling good. <laughs> the odds are in your favor, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, my next one, my final one for the normal cut, they created action figures for their comic. Let me ask you. Um, let me ask you some questions about this. Uh, first of all, do you think if they created action figures for their comic, uh, they would sell them? Yeah. And do you think if they sold action figures for their comic, they would maybe sell them, you know, on tour at like a merch stand? I was afraid of this. <laughs> and, and, and do you think that maybe when I went to the concert and went to purchase merch, I maybe saw some action figures for their comics on sale at the merch stand. I'm gonna be I'm gonna level with you. I made these back when we were originally gonna do this part before you went to the concert and decided to stick with it just in case. <laughs> well, um I think I'm gonna go for fifty fifty here and lock in the this oh, one. Man. It's probably a fact. Um Oh man. That's that's pretty brutal. <laughs> this is all your fault. This must be how you feel every time you play against Connor. And Connor knows the facts. Yeah, it's exact. It must be exactly how I feel. Again, I came up with this bef- back when the plan was for me to go before you went to the concert. <laughs> oh, that's a tough, tough luck. I'm sorry, mixtaper. Tell us more. What kind of action figures have they made? What, what characters and what do the do they do things? The ones I know about, and maybe there's more now, but the ones I found online were a two pack of action figures for their titular. I guess not the, the the characters that they got their names from: Coheed and Cambria. Nice. That's cool. They were released in 2020. They partnered with uh, the leading action figure manufacturer, NECA, and uh, they sell for $80 on their website. Mm-hmm. They sell for $80 at their merch stand, too. So I guess if you want to see if we managed to break this 50-50 streak yet again, the B-side cut is where you have to turn your attention. What a final ramp. You'll have to tune in next week, audience, to see if we break this deadlock and to find out what future kiss facts I'll bring, <laughs> because apparently there's an infinite supply of them. It'll be, it'll be two weeks remember because next week is our bracket challenge oh right yes well still tune into that i i you know i'm i have plans in the work in the works for that uh some of you already know those plans because it happened yesterday yes see my see my plans come to fruition it'll be legendary it'll be something and until then welcome back to connor and farewell welcome back to the mixtaper I, that, I was sweating that one. Welcome home, as a matter of fact. That's what the Coheed fans would say. Welcome home. Oh, well. I'd uh, ask all the Coheed fans what they're doing in my house. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the album cover of Woo! A Window of the Waking Mind. Woo! What do you think? Pretty uh, comic booky looking. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, it just features a bunch of characters in a very cinematic style. Is Vaxus the child that's like front center but bottom part because, you know, he's a child? And small. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's him. And then behind him is actually Vaxus too. What? No, I'm kidding. I that's Vax- I, already- I, he, I thought he was Vaxus. No, Hang he on. is. He is. No, I just mean that's like Vaxus because it's Vaxus two a window of that. But you made the joke earlier about how there's a second Vax. Whatever. Oh, I did make a joke about a second Vaxus. Yes. Uh, I just assumed Vaxus two was the Idris Elba looking guy in the upper right. No, that's Vaxus's dad, the creature. He looks like um character from thor that idris elba plays no that the the man and the woman up there are vaxus's parents nostrand and naya but yeah this is very much a comic book style cover uh it was created by chase stone and you know what i like this direction for their album covers the last one that they did and some of the ones before that were way more comic book focused as well some of the earlier albums like they just look like standard normal album covers you know but i like this direction that really embraces the lore and kind of just teases what's what's going on in the album it's great it does unfortunately fall into the trope of like other like comic book movie like you know like every comic book movie now ever has this like exact layout for their characters yeah right yeah of the big people standing in the background yeah star wars is notorious for that yeah star wars does it exactly really it's just disney right disney in general all the disney movies use that layout was heavily inspired by star wars for this entire series so understandable maybe this is less of a trope and more of an homage but yeah cool cover art very good art for this entire franchise in general i'll be honest this uh, album has made me want to dive into the world of the comic books because one thing that didn't happen and we'll talk about it maybe when we get final spin territory Going into this album, knowing it was this big concept album that like was in this universe of these comic books and that there was all these albums that came before it that fleshed out these stories, mm-hmm. I really expected a lot of the lyrics to not work as just like a song. Like I expected a lot of these songs yeah. to unfortunately not work as actual songs and be so like focused on the lore and things that like it was almost more like like it wouldn't work if you knew nothing, right? You'd be lost on the lyrics. Yeah, too high concept. But really, you can listen to these songs having no idea that this is a concept album and that there's this comic book universe that exists and that all their albums exist in the same universe. You can just be like pick this up and hear it one day and be like, "Oh, this is some good music." Yes. You know, it's surprising you really only hit maybe one or two stumbling blocks on the entire album where you go wonder what that's about yeah which is pretty remarkable and honestly that's a big thing that got me into coheed and, and honestly depending on what they are maybe i maybe i missed one or two of them but really there's only one moment that stood out and i just thought it was like this would have been a weird like if i didn't know i would have been like this was a weird topic for a song but sure. i guess you know go you go you yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, all, a lot of their albums have been like that. Some lean more on the concept than others, but like I said, if you just listen to the music and try to deduce what's going on in the story, you won't be able to do it. I expected it to be like Vax's name dropped there, uh, Coheed name dropped there. I just expected like name drops of characters or like in-universe like worlds or something. I just expected a lot of lyrics that I wasn't going to understand. Mm-hmm. And these all are more conceptual songs about like like the thoughts and the feelings and the emotions behind what's happening in the comic book yeah. world i think yeah he really tries to portray what the characters are feeling yeah more so than narrate what they're doing it's awesome it is awesome and boy does he start off on a melancholy note <laughs> i guess yeah we all go up in flames like man if that's how they're feeling i do not want to know where they're at in the story right now <laughs> it's right? very sad it is very sad so the album kicks off with the embers of fire in very cinematic style. Yeah. Now, what a lot of Coheed fans already know, and what you don't know... How do you know I don't know? Because you don't know. You haven't listened to what I'm about to tell you. You don't know what I don't know. Don't tell me what I, what I don't know. That's even worse than you don't know what I haven't <laughs> tried. 
the refrain is taken from a track on Vaxis One called Old Flames. Mm. Yeah, which is a fantastic song. If you like that melody and you want to hear it in a more upbeat way, oh, I so encourage you to go listen to Old Flames. Sorry, what's it called? Old Flames. Sorry, say that again. Old Flames. <laughs> One more time for me with feeling. Old Flames. <laughs> there we go. Got it. You know, it starts off really quiet and like really ramps up into this big like sound of just ba da 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 da. It's awesome. It is. Yeah, that's actually Claudio's own son Atlas singing the lead on this song. And much like Vaxus, he is actually just five years old, or was when he recorded this at least. Claudio actually, I mean, this song is meant to embody some of the thoughts and feelings Atlas has and kind of just overarch his story as well as set up the album. And Claudio says the idea of the character of Vaxus is that he's this omnipresent sort of being that lives in all states of his life. So I thought it would be interesting to have the child voice as well as the adult singing on the same track, singing the same lines, kind of stretching across time in a way. And that is why it goes from so small to so big and kind of just embodies the uh, the album and the character so well. Yeah, I, I, I really like it. Not knowing anything about the character, I'm not going to make bold statements like it embodies the character well. But knowing nothing about Vaxis or whoever, whatever character you just said this embodied well, go for it. Be embodied. <laughs> go for it. Go for it. Be embodied. Wow. Good. That's encouraging words. But we do. We move right out of the embers of fire into beautiful losers. Hey, it's the old band name. <laughs> yeah, it is the old band name, isn't it? Huh? Yeah, I think it's really clever for them to work it into a title like this. Again, we're going from we all go up in flames to calling ourselves beautiful losers. And it's like, what's wrong, little Maxis? <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot's wrong. You, you think to this point in the story, we're just following some criminals yeah. on the run from the law. The law. I mean, like good-hearted criminals, you know. There are protagonists. Yeah, the, the kind of criminal you can root for. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, as far as being, like, losers go, Claudius says that the band has always been kind of an underdog, so this song in particular and the use of the old band name is kind of an homage to that status, to the underdogness. And, of course, those themes are also very present in the story. Yeah. I like the chorus on this. Mm, it's a good one. But it does follow a theme on how their choruses work that I noticed as we go through. Ooh. Uh, an ingredient in the coheed salad? Yes. Are they all, wait, why is coheed a salad? Well, I don't know. I just It seems to me like a salad is just a thing you take random ingredients and put in. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, people put chicken in there. Some people put in what, walnuts and cranberries. Yeah. Or you can also have, you know, potato or egg salads. Like salad is versatile enough that i think oh uh, well okay but anyway what's an ingredient but it's not very space like comic booky what if it's a cosmic salad what if it's a cosmic brownie and it's like all the different different sprinkles. colors of sprinkles okay what are the yeah. sprinkles what are the, what's one of the sprinkles in coheed's cosmic brownie one of the sprinkles is they like to hold out their first word <laughs> oh no did you, i just heard the glass shatter for me you might have just broken that to me uh-oh <laughs> We'll point it out a couple other times as they get in here. They like they come this and they go, "Hey, kid, there's no shame." Yeah, they, they really like to hold out that first word. Well, I mean, that does make the chorus land a little more firmly than the verses, and it makes it a bigger hit. Yeah, I'm not saying I didn't like it. I'm just no. saying it's one of their ingredients. You're right. Listen, it's it's a good sprinkle. I'm starting to think, and I'm going down <laughs> track by track, and going, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's it's maybe more present than I realized, but that's true. Hey, never enough of those colored sprinkles on the Cosmic Brownie, so bring it on. Bring it on. I also, I gotta say, I love the line, run like they're out for your blood, 
When life feels like zero, beautiful losers, you're my hero. And that's kind of just what I talked about, how they're on the run, you know, they're they're in trouble, and there are heroes, despite being losers in the universe, you know, these underdogs that found each other. They've become the focal point of, like, our entry point into the story. They're the lens we get. And this is the song, if I'm remembering right, that that last line of the chorus, right? They go, like, up the or up the scale with it. They go, like, you're my hero, right? And they, like, go up with it. Yeah, it happens. Once. At least yeah, once. Yeah, I like that. I know, me too. And he also incorporates uh, some either, I don't, rem- I don't know what order things get created, but dialogue in the comic book is put into this song. Whether the song comes first and he makes the character say things or the characters say things and he says, that's a good line for the song. I don't know. But um, Nostrand says the line, where there's a will, there's a way out. He says that line oh. to his wife before they break into the big old facility. So it's like, that's a that's another thing where, yeah, it works on its own if you don't know anything about the comics. But if you've read the, the books and the comics and you're in deep with the lore, that gives it that little extra punch. I want to know, do zombies, I guess the concept of zombies exists in this universe. Whether zombies themselves exist, because they say, run like the dead have risen, so. Well, yeah. At least the concept of zombies exists. I wonder if real zombies exist in this universe. Coheed fans, let me know. Yeah, I I guess. I also like the bridge in this song, too, with the the wrong side of courage. In a toy box of phobias. Yeah, I was going to say, the the mixed image there. Yes. Well, just because, a toy box, right? Because Vaxxus is a child. I don't know. I, I was trying to piecemeal this together. Having I, I know even less than you do about the story. So <laughs> at times I tried to draw lines in yeah. places they maybe don't exist. But I was like, Toy Box, the Axis is supposed to be a child. I didn't know if there was something going on there. Or, and just the concept that kids, you know, are scared of, like, everything. You know, scared of the dark, scared of monsters under the bed, scared mm-hmm. of the monsters in the closet, or the monsters in the toy box, or the monsters out the window, or a lot of monsters going on in the kids' world. Yeah. But, I don't know. There's hook, line, sinker. Fish. Kids get scared of fish. Fish have bad Christmases? They, they can. Uh, what do you think about the line, uh, the other line, the bridge, since we're talking about? Time will bind, time will undo. I like that a lot. I think that's kind of a, a, an expression of... You know, what's going to happen is going to happen. You're going to come together with moments and people and events, but you're also going to fall away from people and moments are going to fade into the past. And so, like, go with the flow. You know what I mean? Time's going to provide you what it's going to provide you. And you just have to... Time giveth and time taketh away. Yeah, exactly. And I I just really like the the hope that's behind that line. Whatever you're bound to might come undone and whatever you're searching for might be bound to you. You beautiful loser. <laughs> Heck yeah. Up next, track three is Comatose. Again, we're not we're we're three tracks in and still not a single happy sentiment. No, it's a well you have to remember uh, beautiful losers, I mean kinda, right? They're like I believe in you even though you, you suck in the eyes of the universe. You're the underdog, yeah. You don't suck in my eyes. You will succeed in spite of the circumstances. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I guess it's kind of a good sentiment, but just yeah. the idea of calling them a loser is kind of sad. It is. <laughs> we have to remember the context of this album, too, is like also it's written kind of during a global pandemic in this moment of like very personal small scale crises for a lot of people and large scale crises for kind of the world. Mm. So it's kind of born from that. And Comatose is a song that Claudio says was written pre-pandemic and then given its identity after COVID happened. After the panini. Yeah, the the lyrics were born from being stuck in isolation, mm. which, you know, just kind of makes sense with wanting to be numb and trying to stay comatose. Keep me comatose. You're picking up a lot of the hooks. I can tell 
tell. It's it's hooky. It's hooky. That's why kids are scared of fish. Hook, line, and sinker. Fish get caught up on a lot of hooks. Hooks are dangerous. It's true. PSA. Hooks are dangerous. This is another spinning PSA. <laughs> yes. It's not the first time we've PSA'd on this podcast. That's no. what the P stands for. <laughs> what? Podcast? <laughs> podcast safety announcement? Or a podcast spinning announcement. Yeah, okay. Well, that's a PSA. We <laughs> just announce things. It's a PSA. Yeah, everything's a PSA. <laughs> it's true. The idea of being comatose actually came from his parents. His dad would go to work and come back home all tired and kind of pass out and then his mom would make jokes about the way his dad would sleep would be comatose comatose was a fast favorite for me on this record um like the first time i listened to it i was like whoa this just blew my mind and i think this is my favorite song on the record and then others started to overshadow it right it kind of became eclipsed by others but my point is comatose is, is a quick one to pick up on if you if you're like where do i start with Coheed, will I even like them? Comatose is a song you could probably pick up and get into pretty quickly. Yeah. I'm inclined to believe in the story that this song is either about Vaxus, who interacts with the world in such a way that they think that he's catatonic, right? Which is kind of a big plot point here. Or it could be about a situation of emotional isolation that one of the other characters is going through. Or it could be a combination of both, where Vaxus's physical state parallels the way that he feels disconnected. I've got so much digging into the story to do. I'm only six months into fandom, so we'll get there. But that's my that's my take on it. Uh, they do it on this song, too, by the way. That, uh, that I know. That little <laughs> sprinkle. Because I'm so afraid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> just, just point it out. It's, it's, it's another sprinkle. I mean, it's the same sprinkle. You know, a lot of if if this sprinkle, if we were to give a sign of color to this sprinkle, like pink, I think it's one of the colors on the cosmic brownie. Mm, yeah, a lot of pink on this brownie. It's very pink brownie. A lot of pinkle sprinkles. Pinkle sprinkles. Yeah. I love that. That is uh, that's being written down right now. <laughs> Warning: unit alert. Potential unit alert. How do you even spell pinkle? Well, just like sprinkle, but without an s. Got it. I got it. Yep. Mm-hmm. I I got there. I love the way this song starts. The drums right off the bat are so great, and that fade in is really one of a kind on this album. I just really like the again. The, I I already did it, but the hook in the chorus. What the part that really gets to me on the chorus is that entire last set of phrases a one-man prison and no one gets in i start to finish but just sit and spin alone yeah the mixtaper wants to let you know that this is his favorite song well tell him not to get too close i don't want to feel <laughs> all right then shoulders is the next song on the album and um of the songs on this album that they played shoulders was one of the top like two that they performed live for me it's the highest spotify listened to song on the album mm. is that justified do you think uh it was a little surprising to see i liked it i know i like it a lot too we'll find out if i liked it enough to for i'm gonna i'm, not, I'm gonna hold cards a little close to my chest on whether or not i agree with it being in number one going into it i was surprised well listen we've seen what happens when you let the cards too far away from the chest too early tonight you'd have yes i like shoulders a lot i do too i love that beginning guitar riff it just it shreds at the beginning of the song yes oh that's actually what sold me on it as one of my favorite live songs i'm not surprised the guitar is just ripping it's one of the harder songs on the album i know i made a joke about them being light metal instead of heavy metal but shoulders really um kind of blurs that line so like comatose almost leans closer to like poppy metal like a pop metal yeah whereas this one leans closer to that heavy metal again I- i'm gonna jump to the chorus um i love the chorus i think it was the verses that 
I guess, didn't quite do what I wanted. And maybe because it does um, have that heavier metal feel to the verses. Because in the chorus, they go back into that smoother sound that we've heard on the other three songs. True, yeah. The verses are grittier. And so I, I guess maybe I just wasn't a fan of... I liked the rhythmical structure of the lyrics. It was kind of fun, how they kind of broke it up all staggered. But I just didn't care for, I guess, the style of the, of the, of the song in the verses as much. Okay, well that makes sense. And as soon as they hit that chorus, uh, again, I, w- I was hooked back into it with the, and, and again, another Pinkle Sprinkle. Uh, you're going out of your way. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's actually one of my best, one of the my favorite choruses on this album. It's pretty good. Yeah. Just to keep me down. Maybe we Maybe weren't made for each we other. Made for each other. Yeah, good. I'm just the one you can keep around. Each other. That's how it goes. This song, it ties into the story because there's a character who literally has another character attached on his shoulder. So shoulders is clever there. But Claudio also says, it's feeling the pride of history behind us, but also the sense of feeling the weight of things that I might not have accomplished during that time. But it's also about coming out of that tunnel and feeling empowered by it. So, you know, the things that are going out of the way to keep him down, he's shedding all those things and moving forward with purpose. He also says that the idea was, in fact, inspired by his own son, Atlas, because the mythological figure, Atlas, did have the world on his shoulders, right? That was his whole thing. He had to carry the earth on his back. Yeah, you mean hatless. I do, yeah. <laughs> the next song is called A Disappearing Act. Ah. I like this song. It it deviates even further from the vibes that we've set with this 80s synth pop kind of style. Yeah. It's nice. These lyrics also have roots in the COVID pandemic. Claudia said, I started thinking about losing all that time during the pandemic. I was living inside my own head during the lockdown period and then came out at the other end realizing that all this time had disappeared. People have disappeared. It felt strange to come out of this period where it felt like nothing changed, but a ton really has. So the the disappearing act is less about a person and more just about, in general, just this phase of life swallowing up time like it's nothing. I like the set of lines, a king among the binary waves can join in our reality perceived to be null and void. The bounce they put on like the rhythm there is really fun. Yeah. This whole song has a good like drivenness to it. Yeah. My favorite part is actually the second verse. Will we allow ourselves a cure before it does harm? How long before the mind, it gets too weak before it fails to witness before it gets a fair chance to start. I mean, if that's not a thing that, you all experienced in some capacity during the COVID lockdowns. You know what I mean? To some degree, I feel like everyone was like, wow, how long can we be in this situation? You know, that feels very relatable. And it's just put in such a way. Yeah. Uh, This one gets a a light pinkle sprinkle. They don't hold out the first word of the chorus, but they hold out the last word of the verse before it. (laughs) They go, walk all over me. And then the background singers are holding out the me while the other person launches into, I'm a long, long way from giving up. Call me old fashioned. Yeah, I know. Well, so light pinkle sprinkle. Mm -hmm. The music video for a disappearing act is on its way. If it's uh, not out yet. When we're recording and when this episode comes out, we don't know. Oh, did it disappear? Did it disappear? Yeah, good question. I don't know. I would have done that. I would have released it for like 24 hours when the song came out and then taken it away and then brought it back later. Yeah. Actually, the band promoted the music video's release in a very interesting way. They kind of made like a little, you know, when in movies someone gets kidnapped and there's like a ransom note made of cut up letters from magazines or other things. 
they made one of those for themselves from the villain of their story, right? This Candelaria character who says, like, Coheed has been taken away and you need to go find them by listening to a disappearing actor, whatever. Anyway, uh, it's just a unique method of promotion that I kind of like. Yeah, why not? Why not indeed? The next song, if you're curious, is called Love Murder One. This song, I, I don't get me wrong, I like it, but I do like it less than a lot of the other songs on this album. This one maybe would be in my my bottom tier, but uh, again, all the tiers are good. It's just this one maybe is a little lower. Yeah, this one, um, I I agree. I don't know what it is. There's sections of this song I really like, like the part where it talks about glass houses. <laughs> Throwing stones in glass houses. I know that's a thing that you've latched on to. Yep, and all the rocks that live in them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all the rocks that live in the glass houses. In verse one, it has this weird like hip-hoppy feel to the first couple lines. But then they pull me back into it when they get to, I think it's where they get to the O when I drink from your cauldron, I see through your witching eyes. They smooth it back out to that classic sound I got used to in the first three tracks. Yeah. And every time they do that, it pulls me back in. I'm like, oh, yes, I like this. But then they'll take it away again. They take it away because scarcity, you know, they don't want to overpower you with it. Supply and demand. I'm demanding it, so supply it. (laughs) Don't worry, plenty (laughs) more where it comes from. They just, they like to dabble in different genres. Like I said, Coheed's kind of something for everyone. You genre dabblers. Yeah, and no two of their albums kind of sound too similar, which keeps things fresh, I think. Claudia said Love Murder 1 was like a venting exercise for him during quarantine to help him channel some of his emotions into these lyrics, which helped him keep things from boiling up in his real life. Did you ever get tennis vibes from this song? Tennis? Yeah, I, well, I debated whether or not to bring this up. I have it in my notes. I was like, no, I'm not going to bring it up. But just the amount of times you said the title, every time I hear the title, for some reason, my brain goes to tennis. Because love is a score of zero in tennis? I, yeah, well, it's just the way, the, the cadence of it. Love, murder, one. It just goes like with like, you know, love... You know when like you're telling the song. I don't know. There's something about the cadence of it and the fact that it has the word love in it. My brain just, from the moment I read it, went to tennis, and I've never been able to shake that. Wow, that's a weird place to go. Yeah. Do you think tennis exists in in the Coheed universe? universe? Yeah. I don't know. Somebody, fans, fans of uh, the Coheed universe, let me know. Does tennis exist? Does tennis is? Can we confirm that tennis is is Amory Wars canon? <laughs> tennis and zombies, and specifically zombies playing tennis. I actually. In the context of the song being a venting exercise and trying to avoid conflict while being bottled up, stuck together in the same place, I love the imagery of a glass house, right? Like, things are so fragile. We have to really delicately maintain this balance. But this song is kind of like the explosion, the flashpoint where the balance is lost. Things are falling apart pretty quick. They play an eight-string guitar on this track, which is wildly unusual. I mean, Claudia's been known to play a double-neck guitar. How many strings does a guitar usually have? Sorry? Six. Six normally. Six. Yeah. Okay, so two extra strings. Mm-hmm. Unclear. So as the ballad guy, what did you think of Blood? Uh, I like Blood. It keeps me alive. Got a lot of it in my body. You sure do. Yeah, I'm sure that's true. I think I can be positive. Is that Blood type? Did I nail that? Yes, it is. You did. <laughs> I know that that one exists because of the joke. My brother passed away the other day because we didn't know his blood type. He kept telling us be positive, but to be honest, it was pretty tough. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> uh, anyway, where was that? <clears throat> yes, Ballad Guy, Blood. Um, It exists as a song. It, you didn't... Oh. Wow, that's not what I thought you'd take this at all. Uh, um, I liked it. The problem was 
it's where it's going to be one of those um lost in the sea of diamonds metaphors that i've done in the past okay where like if you removed a couple other songs from this album it would be a clear like top favorite mm. but because of some of the other songs that they chose to put on the album with it it works its way down the list a bit okay i really enjoy that you just called this album a sea of diamonds whether you meant it to that degree or not I like that. I was just calling back to the metaphor I tend to use. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe these are all fake diamonds. I don't want to put the cart ahead of the horse. Yeah. I love Blood. It was a very moving song to see live. Claudia says this song has a lot to do with feeling misunderstood most of my life and seeing that maybe that might be the same for my son. So this song is him speaking to his son saying, look, you might have to go through some of the things that I went through, but I got through it and I'm going to be here to help you get through it. Love it. What a what a calm reassurance. I, I don't think there are a ton of lyrics to it, but I think they do a lot of great legwork. It's such an efficient job with the few lyrics that they do have. This is one of those examples of what I expected the album to be like, I guess, coming into it. And maybe that's part of what did it for me. Fair. Yeah, it is a little more story tied. A lot of the chorus and a lot of the lyrics in the song feel very like characters talking, like a character talking to another character. Which it Um, is. Yeah. And so maybe that's the fact that I know this is a comic book universe um, setting that ruined it for me. Because, like, I guess we've done songs where it's people in the songs have talked to one another. Just haven't met you yet. Yeah. But in this scenario, and maybe the cadence of it for the chorus, I wasn't a big fan of. the. Like, oh, I can believe that. They do ditch the rhythm at some points. They'll be afraid of you for sure. It changes. It's kind of crammed in there. And I did, especially that line. That line specifically. Oh, they fear what they don't know. I was like, okay, I like that. And then they just really, you know, laid it all out there with the, and they'll be afraid of you for sure. Like there had to have been a more clever or subtle way to get your point across and just they're going to fear you because they don't know you and we're going to spell that out in mm. a very word vomity way. Yeah, follow me into the fires of the sun is the same way in, in yeah. terms of like rhythmical cadence. I like it personally. And also, why are you going into the fires of the sun if your hands are already burning? What? Sounds like you don't need, it says take yeah, my yeah. burning hand, follow me into the fires of the sun. Your hands are already on fire. What do you need fire of the sun for? I feel like you should be going away from that. It depends on your goals. Up next is a track called The Liars Club. Uh, the mixtaper would like to chime in and say this is also his favorite song. Oh, he has two favorite songs. <laughs> the one about spinning and the one about The Liars Club. Yep. He'd also like to point out he has heard neither of them. The mixtaper is in The Liars. He's a founding member. The mixtaper is The Liars Club's founding dastard. The, the Liars Club founding dastard. Love that. Add that to the canon. <laughs> yes. It's not the same Liars Club from this universe, but he has his own Liars Club and he's a founding dastard. He's like started a branch of it in our universe. Yeah. This song was the first song Claudio wrote after Vaxus 1 got released. He says the idea comes from ignoring all the bad sides of your life, all the undesirable pieces, and lying to yourself like the cost of your happiness is embracing this degree of intentional ignorance, like choosing to pretend everything is okay. This one was very much another of my favorites to see live and another favorite from this album. This one, I think, oh, has the quick hooks of Comatose, right? I latched onto it as quickly as I did with Comatose. But Liars Club has also had the staying power of songs like Shoulders. Like, it hasn't faded from being my favorites as much as Comatose has. Really? I like the Liars Club. Hmm. Did you not? I don't know. I guess I had the opposite opinion. 
really. I agreed, you know, I agree with your setup that this song has like the catchy hooks of Comatose, but this one faded from my memory where Comatose had the staying power for me. Oh, okay. That's like wrong. I had the no. <laughs> <laughs> Something about or do you want me to lie? Another pinkle sprinkle. Um, well, it's not the first word, but it kind of is. Yeah, yeah. It, it's in the first it's in the first line. Yeah. I don't know, I just, or do you want me to lie because I can do it, baby? I can do it, lie to you. It's just, that wasn't as catchy to me as... There was just something super catchy about... A one-man prison and no one gets in. I don't want to feel, bleep it, keep me comatose. Like, there's just something really yeah. catchy about the way they do that. No, that's true. And you're right, lyrically, do you want me to lie is, I guess, a little weaker. There's really not much else in the chorus. Again, I, I liked it. I liked it conceptually. I liked the song. I'm not saying I didn't like the song. It's just... I have 13 songs I'm trying to pick from here, and this one just didn't have the catchiness to a first-time listener. You do have to be, yeah, picky, I suppose, when you're trying to narrow it down like that. Yeah, definitely. I was very picky. I was super picky when I did this. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the Liars Club almost serves as a as an answer to Comatose, right? Comatose kind of expresses this, I don't want to feel anything. I don't want to... Like, life is is bad and I don't want to deal with it. The Liars Club is kind of, yeah, life is bad, but what I'm going to do is I'm just going to pretend everything is okay so that I can still go on and and kind of, it it serves as an answer to the problem, whereas Comatose just rolls over. I don't know, maybe, maybe maybe not. A song though that did pull my attention right away, Bad Man. It did pull your attention right away. Really? Why is that? I was shocked because when I saw this song only had 800 some thousand plays compared to the Liars Club that had four and a half million. Yeah. Because this one was so much catchier. Interesting. Like we talked about they tried to do kind of like some hip hop-y stuff. Sure. And I think this was their best attempt at that. Mm-hmm. of that like hip-hop but like soft rock vibe this mm-hmm. song reminded me of another song either i've heard this before or the chorus reminded me of another song i've heard i just mean this whole song is catchy right i mean even it the is. verse the oh no you ain't got nothing to lose like that bounciness no what you got to prove i just i, I love it i like it too yeah um it's a different texture. I think it stands alone on this album in just the way that it kind of is. Claudio was actually very, very high when he wrote this and recorded it. He says that it's not a thing he does often, and the last time he got high for music was way back in 2003 when they released In Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth 3. But he said it got him into a certain headspace, and he attacked the vocals in a way that he hasn't in a long time. And he says actually in the verses he's doing his best to imitate a certain Michael Jackson that we are familiar with. Oh! Yeah, and honestly, uh, re-listening to it after hearing him say that, I I feel like I can hear that influence pretty clearly. Yeah, no, I think I can too. I also just really like the the phrase, heaven and hell be damned if you're made to choose. Mm, Yeah. I like that line, because it's like, what other options? Nobody ever thinks about there being another option, but like in this, he's basically saying, screw those two options, don't pick one. (laughs) It's like, wait, what's your other option? Keep living? I don't know. (laughs) Keep, Keep living, that's what you got. I guess, and then just the idea of saying "hell be damned." Yeah, that's hell pretty is good. The home of the damned. Uh, that's funny. And just again, like I said, the way he attacks that chorus when you need a bad man, like just the way he hits it, it's so good. Yeah, 
Mama, watch your mouth. <laughs> That's a funny line, too. <laughs> it is. It's hilarious. And evil is as evil do. I like that one a lot, too. Yep. Just, you know, call a spade a spade. I like Batman. I really like Batman. But a, a lot of times I group it into the same kind of leveled as Love Murder 1 for me. I agree Love Murder 1 belongs in a special group, but this should not be lumped in with it. So noted. I'm a filthy lumper. You filthy lumper. So the ballad guy didn't like blood very much, except for the physical blood that's in his body, I suppose. Yeah. How did the ballad guy feel about our love? I like our love. I feel like we've known we've known one another a long time. You know. Oh, okay. Uh, well, we get all touchy feely on this podcast. Yeah. But the song. <laughs> oh, oh, oh! Sorry. <clears throat> Please don't say you love me. Thanks. I'll just say I like like you. <laughs> I like this one better than the other one. As you should. I think this is better than blood, objectively. Subjectively, but objectively. But. That's a big but. I still think, due to some of the other songs on this album, it falls down the list a bit. Wow. Even with the big pinkle sprinkle of our love. It's a big old pinkle sprinkle. It takes up like a quarter of the brownie. It's just like a jawbreaker. (laughs) So is love, though. So it makes sense. Yeah, she tastes like candy. Star Chaser. She's not landing. Yeah, I don't know. I, the, it was uh, a lightweight trying to box against heavyweights sort of thing. Like, this could, had the chance to be lightweight champion, but didn't stand a chance against the heavyweights. No. So it just had to beat up on blood. Uh, ironic. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> this song's origins, sonically, lie in Claudio's acquisition of a Korg ARP 2600 synthesizer. Nice. He got that. He started playing around and liked the sound and churned out our love with it. You know what's a sound I really loved? What's that? The brum at the beginning of Ladders of Supremacy. Boy, you really picked some interesting things to like. I know. Not something I usually go for, but I liked it. No, it's not. Because it really set up the tone for the like the hard metal like guitar stuff that this song starts with. Yeah. Oh, definitely. This song is actually, Ladders of Supremacy is another older song that was initially intended to open unheavenly creatures their their last album instead of dark sentencer i can't imagine this song opening the last album instead of dark sentencer that is another song you should go listen to claudio says ladders of supremacy happens as quote our characters are entering the lion's den it's maximum security it's fear it's chaos that was the visual i had in my head when i started writing the lyrics that's the idea and he also says he revisited the song after he was moved by george floyd and he tried to channel a lot of emotions that he had around that incident into this. Huh. Mm-hmm. This one does some fun vocal rhythms. Oh, absolutely. It, it's kind of kind of an oddball on the rhythmical sense. Um, especially on the hook. Again, there's another one with a fun little hook. Latters of supremacy. Like, it's very bouncy. Yeah. And very staccato. Like, it's got, like, that staccato going on. Supremacy. Yeah, it is. And it's also kind of anthemic. It's almost like a march. Yeah, that's good. Which I think is kind of what it's meant to evoke because yep. mm-hmm. it's about this chain of command, these leaders that are kind of oppressive. Another one down the letters of supremacy. Yeah, it's definitely marchy. Yeah, and in that sense, I could see why you like this one. What, are you saying I like marches? No, I just say it's theatrical. This song is very theatrical, and you can, you kind of tend to gravitate towards things like that. Well, you would have been right. I do like marches as a band guy. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, another Pinkle Sprinkle with the stay down, boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it really hits it. Also, uh, you got clowned, boy. Is that is that good or bad? You kind of just said it. I don't know if you liked it or not. As a member of the clowning community, I want to know, know which clowns out here clowning this boy. I want to know what clown exists in the... Who's responsible? <laughs> Who's clowning Vaxus? Poor Vaxus. He's wishing he was comatose right now. Yeah. Maybe. Definitely wants to do a disappearing act. Yeah, maybe. I think Ladders of Supremacy is okay, but it's another song that just doesn't 
always scratch the itch for me. Same. Like, sometimes it's exactly what I need, but sometimes it just doesn't quite get there. Honestly, yeah, it's really, like, I'll find, I found myself muttering Lactors of Supremacy, but really the rest of the song didn't stick with me. Sad. Evil does as evil do. Yeah. They kind of revisit that line right here. Yeah. Which I like. I love that callback. I think the song works better in the context of the story than without. This is a song maybe that's not quite as punchy as a standalone track, even though it certainly carries a lot of the emotional weight. You mentioned that, you know, he was inspired by um, real life events. And I don't know, I I felt, I could feel the anthemic um, themes and how maybe especially coming out of the pandemic this feeling of being down you know being knocked down a few pegs on the ladder of supremacy could maybe resonate with people yeah definitely it's resonant if there's one thing ladders of supremacy is it's resonant resounding please tell me how to pronounce the next title cut the cord no rise the actual title yeah well come on give it your best shot give it your best shot my best shot is nyanasha i don't know how it's actually pronounced i've never really heard it spoken but Nyanasha is one of the characters in the story. I will be f- f- uh, going forward just referring to it as Rise Nala, like Nala from The Lion King. Why? Because that's way easier than however the heck that's supposed to be pronounced. And rather than offending the fans. They have given you a parenthetical title right there. <laughs> like they've Absolutely silver not. platter, silver plattered cut the cord. Absolutely not. Right. Well, unsurprisingly, this is one of the most story-tied songs. Yeah, this is the one I mentioned earlier that I said uh, maybe would feel like... I said it felt like maybe if you were coming into it not knowing that this existed in the universe of like a a space movie, saga, comic book world, uh, you might be like, interesting. Interesting choice for song. Yeah. But I liked it. I think it still has enough power to stand on its own. I did a lot of poking around regarding this song. I don't think we know who Nyanasha is at this point in the story. Um, or at least we didn't when the single got released. She's Semba's future wife. No, 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 that's not um, it. <laughs> so we we don't know her significance to the story. but Yet. But she's yet, rising. But she's rising and cutting the cord. I've seen speculation that maybe... Uh, Nyanasha is like Vaxus's real name, and Vaxus is just kind of a like a name that he is called. Vaxus is like his prison name. Sure, but like how Claudia was the crowing, you know, it could be something like that. Uh, I've also seen speculation that Nyanasha is another character that's going to serve as kind of a guardian for Vaxus, which would explain this kind of protector mentality that this song really digs into and explores. Call me, you know, call me and I'll be there when you need your great destroyer. I like it. I like it. Like. I think that makes sense. I I like the chorus a lot because it ends with cut the cord. Like the whole chorus is encouraging you towards this point of action. Cut the cord, break away from the things that you've previously been clinging to. Maybe. Now, I don't know anything about the story. Is Vaxxas still with his parents at this point in the story? Yeah, I do believe they're all together and on the run. And his parents are like, I mean, they do leave him at some point. But in that scenario, maybe this Nala person will... don't want to offend the fans, so I'm going to blatantly disregard the <laughs> name of the character. I just want to point out that your logic is a little flawed, but your intentions are good. <laughs> it's a bold strategy, I know, but I think it'll pay off for me. If we get hate comments, I'm sending them your way. Maybe this Nala person is going to be like the one that, like you said, kind of becomes the next mentor or like the person kind of overseeing Vaxxas because Vaxxas is like five years old or whatever. It's going to be like the next parental figure when he eventually has to cut the cord and move on from his parents for some reason. Yeah, I think that's perfectly conceivable. And again, 
Very catchy chorus. Love the chorus. And very pinkly with call me and I'll be there. Very pinkly. <laughs> what a layered adjective. When you need your great your great destroyer, though. So that's interesting. Maybe Nala is going to be like the deus ex machina character that like Vaxus befriends oh. at some point in the story that Maybe. then comes back later to, to help save the day. Or is Nala the real name of their mother? Yeah, I think that's another real possibility. Because, oh, my baby boy, don't you cry. It's you and I, do or die. And so they're going to get separated. Or, like, mom's going to end up back in prison on the prison world or something, you know. And, like, call me when you need me and I'll come and, you know, and I'll mother bear it and take out whoever's hurting you. But for now, you have to cut the cord. And that really similar into the cut the cord, like, that's the umbilical cord. Like, there's a lot going on there. I like the mother idea. Absolutely. I like it, too. And I think the only thing that's stopped people from going all in on that is that there's just another A before the I in Nyanasha. And Naya, like the mother's shortened version of the name, is just N-I-A. And people were like, why wouldn't there be a, an A there in the second letter? It's probably semantics. Because then the government police or whatever, they'd be able to put two and two together. They're not stupid. you got to remove the A. They'd know. They'd find her. The end of this album, honestly, these last three tracks have been some of the most story-tied of all. And that concludes, of course, with the final track and the title track, Window of the Waking Mind. Yes. Yes. It's a like a saga song, like um, absolutely a lot of on was that Green Day? Yes, like Jesus of Suburbia and Homecoming in American yeah. Idiot. This song is told in six different sections, each with a distinct style, sound, and message. The six sections are time, the awakening, birth, the mirroring eyes the mother, and the father. All I'm saying is these both sound like, you know, final goodbyes to their son before they're separated and he cuts the cord and then Mama Nala has to show up later and be the destroyer. It could very well be something like that. I'll be watching you. Yeah, he does talk about, I mean, it it sounds like there may be a a potential distance here. Figure it all out or you'll be left in the cold. Hatless. I love the way this song ends too and i've seen a lot of fans online kind of expressing that they love too the the line i'm telling you boy it's okay to cry i think that's one of the most powerful and impressionable lines on this entire album despite being in such an up-tempo context i think it lands hard yeah well and you know it ends then with the word time which there's another song that started with time yeah okay okay we also need to talk real fast about how the album ends you know the song you know it winds down and, and it kind of goes back into this very cinema sounding you know orchestral sound of yes. how it started yeah the embers of fire and it re-brings back the embers of fire motif which is great beautiful it's very theatrical very big and just mm, the swell is so good and really does and i had because i had the same thought when i heard it the first time it sounded like big emotional really leaning into this whole goodbye sentiment here uh because when i, I literally when i heard it at the very beginning of the album i was like man this sounds like like climax of the movie music yeah like the kind of song that we play during a big emotional climactic scene like a reunion or a departure and you did say it sounded sad yeah and it sounded sad and so here at the end of the album it really does sound like maybe you know mama and papa wherever they're stuck are watching Vaxis go off, uh, you know, on his own, having cut the cord. Is this but is playing? Yeah, yeah. Just saying, it is immensely powerful. This album, knowing is nothing packed. about the universe at all, that's the definitive canon. That's <laughs> spin it canon. <laughs> this is a PSA. That's how it is. A podcast spin it announcement. <laughs> yeah. 
I think you're absolutely right. I I think there's a lot going on in the last final waning moments of this album. And so it's it's a lot to unpack, honestly. But we unpacked it. You, you're right. We sure did. And now it's time to unpack what we unpacked in final spin. In final spin. Woo. Hit me with your spins. Finally. <laughs> yeah. So. I, I like this album. I've gotten, like I've mentioned, deep into Coheed as a band over the course of the last seven or eight months. And the more I listen to them, the more I like them. The concert was incredible. Music-wise, this album does dabble in a lot of different genres, but I think that's to its benefit. I think A Window of the Waking Mind does a good job of incorporating a lot of elements while still holding steady to that same thread. So music, I'm given a 90. Lyrics, I mean, we've talked so much about the lyrics and the lore and the comic book history and the story. I think it's interesting that this album is strong enough to support a story while being so nonspecific about the story it's telling. I'm given lyrics an 88. As for instruments and production, ho oh, oh, they're such good instrumentalists. Not to mention the production decisions on this album. Oh, Wow, when I said Coheed has not really made two albums that sound the same, I mean, Vaxxas 2 just takes that to a whole new level. It's great. I think there, there's not really a time that you get bored with it. I'm given production and instruments a 93. And overall vibe, it's, it's really, it's unlike any other album or band that we've talked about to this point. Given vibe a 92, which is going to take this album's overall score to a 91.1 and put it at number 59 on the rankings list. 59. Yeah. This one has some very familiar neighbors. It is nestled snugly between Mothership at number 58 by Dance Gavin Dance and We Are by John Batiste at number 60. Oh. Yeah. I liked this album. Great. I'm so excited to hear that. It exceeded my expectations. Also excited to hear that. In terms of my top three. And this I'm excited to hear. In album order. Beautiful Losers. Okay. Yeah. Comatose. Shoulders. Bad Man. Oh, we did a big skip. Rise Nala. <laughs> okay. And Window of the Waking Mind. Wow. That's a whopping six I top threes. I took six top threes uh, instead of my normal four. <laughs> it's been a long time since you've exceeded the usual four. Yeah. So so where do you land with six songs in your top three? How do you narrow one to the playlist? I think we've coincidentally done this thing that you were afraid of where we both love the album, but like the different songs. Yeah, we lean that way. Of my six, I have bolded four of them. Oh my gosh. That I would love to have on the playlist. Yeah, okay. So what are your what are your four playlistables? Beautiful Losers, Comatose, Badman, and Cut the Cord. Okay. What are you thinking? If I had unbridled playlist pick, I I, I would be picking from Comatose Shoulders in the Liars Club. So I suppose I would encourage you to go comatose and then I would go shoulders. And so then you get both the ones you want, but I only get one of the ones I want. Shoulders is in your top six. Yeah, but my perfect world is comatose and bad man. Ooh. Both accomplish what we want, having one kind of smoother and one more edgier song. <laughs> it's just we can't agree on which one needs to be the harder song, <laughs> shoulders or bad man. Yeah. Which one needs to be on the playlist? Sounds like comatose is locked in. I think you're going out of your way just to keep me down. <laughs> oh, bad man. What can I say? Evil is as evil. Come on, you, you, we got to put evil is as evil do on the, on the playlist. Well, mama, watch your mouth. <laughs> yeah. Come on, we gotta, we gotta have Aww. little mama watch your mouth. Come Aww. on. I, mama, watch you your what. mouth. I'll Put it you on what. the playlist. Here's the deal. I'll allow it if you go listen to Unheavenly Creatures, which is Vax's part one, the album, 
after we finish recording sometime. I will, you know what? I will go listen to them. And this could be fun. I will say something about my experience listening to them in the live stream that we're doing <laughs> that later this week. The live but, stream well, that, that precedes this. this. But then, oh, but then it'll come out as the next episode. Yeah. Good. Okay. I'll acquiesce. I will accept that deal. Yes. Mama, watch your mouth. You're on the playlist. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, so that leaves us with one looming question. Yes. And that is. Where can you find us on socials? No, 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 <laughs> no. I, you baited I, me. I, I you kid. baited me. I kid. The looming question <laughs> is, where is this going to fall for you in terms of score? Because I'm pretty happy with everything you've said so far, but we'll see. We'll see where the score lands. This one for me is getting a nine. Ah, yeah, I and it's going to slot in, I think think i think i'm gonna put it below the bubbly nil boards it's gonna slot in between crazy love and songs in the key of life wow i can't believe though that we even got close to topping your decade-long favorite michael buble wow Uh, off of one listen right one listen knocked it straight up to the nines Mm. right up there with something that took a decade to get there but of course the other big looming question where can you find us no okay (laughs) (laughs) i did it to myself i baited myself units uh my unit is uh unclear Uh, um (laughs) yeah we're back here everything's unclear yeah. again yeah i've got a couple units sitting here i don't know what's what's good i mean i feel like the obvious choice is uh pinkle sprinkles pinkle sprinkles was a big one yeah uh, of course we got the filthy lumpers going on <laughs> oh yeah i think we gotta go with pinkle sprinkles i think we do too pinkle sprinkles it, the unit is no longer unclear you know in fact no it actually still is because it's an unclear pinkle sprinkle that's what i'm going with oh okay well, never mind. Unclear Pinkle Sprinkles. Nine of them. Well, Officially slightly less than nine bubbly nil boards. Lock it in. I could not be happier. That's exciting. If you're looking for us, first of all, you can find us, well, live yesterday on Twitch. That's been a fun. <laughs> but um, keep an eye out for that episode coming out next week. But you can also find us on Twitter at SpinItPod and on Instagram at SpinItPodOfficial. Our website is www.spinitpod.com. And we're available wherever you listen to podcasts, which is probably right here, where you're listening to this podcast right now. We will see you next week for our bracket challenge. Have a fantastic week. And as always, keep spinning. Keep spinning. We will make it if we believe, or whatever Cody said. That's from the first time. Hadley. Did you say Hadley? Are you still going through names? But we, we solved the mystery. Henrietta. No, we, we solved the puzzle. We know it's Heimdall. Hadrian, I like that one. What? That's just Adrian with it's an like H. It's like Adrian, but with an H. <laughs> like Atlas, but he's Atlas. <laughs> what is it with all these H names and just being regular names but with an H on them? Halden. Halden, but with an H. What about for Griselda? <laughs> for Griselda. <laughs> Love it.